What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, Chris Rivers. Now, Chris, I want to stop everyone. Just stop it here. What are you drinking? All right, bye. What, what, what are you drinking? Um, this is new. I got some kind of deal from Culver's. Oh, a, uh, a little concrete mixer thing? Yeah, uh, I can't remember <laughs> what it is, actually. Listen, we... It was on the menu. We get a lot. We get the mixers, the concrete mixers from there. But there's this new place called Andy's Ice Cream, which is apparently real big oh, yeah. out west. And it's maybe eight minutes from my house. And we've been eating it just about every weekend. And oh, that place is, is a banger. I, I highly suggest this is it. Like a, this is like a fruit thing. Oh, okay. So you went the little, little bit of a healthier route than, than I usually do. I get the triple chocolate, just as yeah, much sure, sugar you put in it. Listen, I'm excited. We get to see each other this week. We get to see Doctor uh-huh. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But there's a, there's a catch with that. With this show, it's uh-huh. going to be very depressing. At least it is for me. It is for you. Uh, and for the, the CW viewers and listeners that we have, there's a lot of bad news uh, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about an absolutely uh, egregious Superman and Lois episode we waited a month to see. Uh, but before we get into I'll- that, do what? I'll just I'll just say if you need it since this is going to be such a a down episode I do have liquor. Oh, see, so. you know another, another downer to it. Not a big deal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode sixty-eight. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting services of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating for podcasting apps. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment down below. Let us how we can know how we can improve this show. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers there for three different payment types if you want to go that route to support us. If you don't, no big deal. Your subscribing is just enough. Chris, how's your week been? It's been nice. Uh, I had a short week at work. Uh, took Thursday off. The NFL draft was mm-hmm. this weekend. Yes, it was. So I watched as much of it as I could. What are your and thoughts on the Titans so far? Well, what are your thoughts on the Titans draft this week? <laughs> so everybody's ragging on him about trading A.J. Brown. And I'm like, the guy, I don't think he played a full season his first Mm-mm. three years in the league. He wanted $25 million a year. And now for a fraction of that, you get a player who has a similar skill set. Right. I'm all for trading him. Yeah. Came out of nowhere, I feel yeah. like. And, they, and there's more stuff coming in and out of it. Uh, like I saw somewhere that he hasn't even been talking to the team. Like this decision has been made for a while. Like he hadn't been talking uh-huh. to the team for like four weeks or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, you know, I wish they would have told us, the fans. Cause I woke up, I went to bed accidentally early and, uh, cause I, I wanted to watch the Steelers and the Titans, their first picks, but like it kept getting later and later. And I said, I'm, I might fall asleep. And I did fall asleep. I woke up that morning. My phone had several text messages on it from group chats I'm in. Then Twitter was, you know, blowing up about it. But, you know, as a Steelers fan, I'm happy with our picks. I don't feel like we did anything crazy. We drafted two quarterbacks. One we got in the sixth round. Obviously, he's going to be on the practice squad playing around, things like that. Uh, Pickett from Pittsburgh, really excited to have him. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, like I watched the draft Friday night. Uh, before I watched Moon Knight and then went down to Nissan Stadium with one of our buddies, Grant, and his family and watched some of the draft there. Got to get on the field, saw Burks for, in person, their, their first draft pick. Uh, seems like a cool dude. 
I mean, it was, Mike Keith was there, the the radio host from here in Nashville, which is iconic. Still really short. I forget how short the guy is. And got to see some of the locker rooms, which is cool. But it's been a it's been a weekend for the draft, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think we got the better quarterback in the draft. Well, that's, that's what I thought we were getting. I honestly thought that's who we were getting. And they picked him, which is fine. Because I think he's he's okay too, so I'm curious to see. I'm curious to follow both of these guys as their um, their journey continues to the NFL. And yeah, but I was really I thought we were gonna get Malik, but we got Pickett instead. So I was like, okay, you know, either or is fine. They liked but they, I they liked uh, both of them. So I'll, there's also about three YouTube channels I subscribe to. They did a lot of draft content. Mm. So between watching the draft and watching their stuff, I didn't get a ton that i wanted to get watched yeah watched i watched our stuff um and i watched another movie on top of what we were watching so mm. we got a, we'll we got a fun fun news week here to talk about um tv wise i have been continually watching all american amount the second season the fourth season starts back up this uh, this monday coming up as a recording i'm not gonna be anywhere close to caught up by then but with the way CW's been, it's, it's left a sour taste in my mouth. We're going to get to there in the end of our TV yeah. news, but we'll get there. Um, so no other TV or anything from your point? No. Now, um, of course, the sour taste for you kind of all came within like 24 to 36 yeah, hours. Yeah, it was not fun. It, it's, it's been a weekend, between, you know. Between our first... <laughs> Between our first episode that we're going to talk about and and that news, you just got hammered. Well, it, it's, that's the thing too. Not all CW news is what really brought this on. So right, we'll, we'll get there. But first, let's talk about the first thing that we've been hinting at: Superman and Lois, season two, episode ten, Bizarros in a Bizarro World. Really looking forward to this episode, Chris. Gonna let you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, you know, it's been a month since we've had any content. Really excited. We've seen some grungy-looking uh, Jonathan and Jordan this episode. I could not stand it. From point A to point B. No, that's not right. Right there at the end, I liked it a little bit more during the fight scene. Of course, we're going full spoilers into this uh, for all of our shows that we talk about. But, I, dude, I could not. It was so bad. To li- I hate, we've talked about this before, but I hate when any show uses a filter for the lighting and doesn't use like a natural lighting or anything. They, they use that red tint is what we use for this one. Could not stand it. But the storyline was sun. whack. Yeah, the red sun. The storyline was whack. I just could not get, get to it. Some of the things were really cool, like the earth being a cube instead of a sphere. thought that was cool, yeah. really well done. Same thing with the sun and everything. Uh, even when you went to the like a, uh, the bar, even they were playing billiards, those were cubed instead of round. I thought that was very funny. Uh-huh. Um, but... It was just not well done, and I don't know why I didn't like it. It just I, it was a lot. I, I will give him this: the attention to detail was amazing. I mean, yes. even when, even with uh, with Superman, so you see, it, there's some flashbacks mm. to what happened before his bizarro self left that planet. The part in his hair is on the opposite side. Oh, so I didn't even notice that. As as compared to where he normally wears it. Uh, of course, the crest on his chest is flipped backward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. But, yeah, it 
they really gave a lot of attention to that stuff. I wish they'd done a little bit more with the script, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers, I guess. I didn't like, I didn't like Lois's wig in this. Oh, God, it just, horrible! It, uh, it was, absolutely horrible. Uh, it, it continues to amaze me that these Hollywood productions have such bad wigs that they put on people mm-hmm. and and stuff because it's distracting yes the whole time i could not stand it i'm assuming it was a wig it did not look like her real oh her yeah, real no, that, that had to be a wig there's no way that was her hair there is no way I, even to the point with jordan i was like okay i know they he's a curly headed and that's why it looked so awkward because it was straight and he was very like jamie the whole episode was like that's not the same actor playing jordan i, I, said, I thought it was gerard way for a minute <laughs> Dude, I, I said, yes, it is. I said, he's been tweeting about this, and his new look and everything. I said, but it just, I couldn't, dude, it was, all right, let, let's get into it. I'm going to nerdsandbeyond.com for this one by Haley. Um, search for Allie. Clark makes his way through the other side and heads to Bizarro's Fortress. There he finds Jonathan, who takes him to the farm to keep prying eyes away. We find out um, Jonathan is, quote-unquote, Superboy in this world. Um, I liked his look. I didn't. I didn't think it was bad. I'm not, I'm not really sure if this was from straight from the comics of some sort. I don't remember because I just remember him yeah, in blue I, and I, uh, red. But I do remember. Um, it's it's kind of similar to uh, to Superboy's shirt on mm-hmm. uh, Titans, that black with the red crest. Right. It's. There's so many things I did not like it. We're going to get to it here in a minute. Um, they go to the farm to keep prying eyes away. Clark is on the hunt for Allie to stop her before the merge takes place, and she has complete power once that is done. Jonathan, Jonathan suggests that they go to the DOD, uh, but we don't realize that her people took it over months ago. Uh, come in, and then Lois enters the scene. She's like, Jonathan, what are you doing? And the whole little thing happens. Then we get a flashback. Um, at an event that the whole family is attending, a man is in trouble when Clark is occupied. They do this weird thing where Clark is a the L's. It's the family of the L's. It's like the Kardashians, but it's but it's the L's. Yeah. And so they're going to this red uh, carpet thing, and Jordan and Jonathan are kind of back. Clark is talking to Lois and talking about their press and things like that. I uh, see John swoops in to save him, discovers his powers while he does so. But this is very dumb like i don't didn't lead up to anything with jordan jonathan having his powers he gets out of the limo they have a little conversation we see in the back the um skyscraper they're cleaning the glass it falls the guy starts falling and jonathan flies away we i mean i assumed okay he's had his powers this whole time but like oh i guess now he's got his powers like nobody was impressed and i was like okay i mean i'm sure i'm missing the whole point of this episode but i did not like it at all um no Let's see. While creating his super persona, he steps into his own, sporting a leather jacket and jean ensemble as his suit. Clark teaches him the ins and outs so he can one day take over the mantle. While the whole family is reaching celebrity status, John takes the reins and goes out to save the world on his own. Bizarro, Clark, and Lois are both angry, and John lashes out because he wants to be understood instead of the other way around. Starts dating this little girl um, who is obviously under Allie's um, brainwashing which happens uh-huh. on a date with Misty is her name. She introduces him to Allie, who works her magic and forces him to merge. Now, all caught up, Bizarro Lois tells Clark not to tell Bizarro John anything because he's working for Allie. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I, go ahead. It's <laughs> it's it's odd, right? It's uh, it makes sense. Jonathan would be the one with powers because everything's opposite. Mm -hmm. But I feel like even even though it's it's a different character. Now, if you are planning to give Jonathan powers, the impact is gone because yes. we've seen Jonathan with powers. Well, I have a, I have a theory uh, that's what's going to happen. That that something's going to happen. I'll get to it once we we finish the episode. Uh, to me, this should have been a two or three episode arc. I I, I think that's part of my problem too. Everything was so forced and just put in here very loosely. Like it just didn't even the set didn't even look good to me. Um, yeah. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. At the farm, Anderson and Clark face off against. Let's see, I don't like this recap. I'm just going to try to look a dome here. Anderson flies in. He says, Clark, um, well, he says, um, Superman. He's like, I was wrong. I'm in the wrong here. We go back again to see where Anderson came through the portal. We find out that uh, his uh, Bizarro Anderson, Jonathan, Allie, and. Uh, Lana are standing there. Lana, of course, is the DOD's superhero. I forget what we're, call, what we're calling these people. The ones that uh, Anderson did have under his control was employing and things like that. Yeah, but she was working at the bar. Yeah, and she was yeah she was working at the bar. There's so many flash. Like that's what I'm saying. This should have been a I, two or three episode arc, not a. I one. like that Lana. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. Lana. I'm with you. But e even that was a flip because think about it. The other woman in her husband's life was the one working, working at the bar. I, see, I've never so noticed So she's working at the bar. <laughs> I was still reeling at, I cannot stand this episode. <laughs> the whole episode, I was, like, I, I caught on to the, the noticeable things. I didn't notice that one. Um, but, so, we, this flashback with Anderson, he goes in, they attempt to merge, uh, Allie gets pissed off, Jonathan then kills uh bizarro world anderson r anderson flies out and not to be seen from we he goes to the the smallville gazette starts talking it backwards no one understands i hated what's her name still i can't I forget her, her the the bob cut lady or oh, what are you what call is her? her name Kristen. krista Christy, Christy, Kristen, Krista, one of those. <laughs> and she, I couldn't stay in her. She figures out he's speaking backwards. She tells him where to go, where Lois is. He goes there, uh, which finds out they're just hiding underneath. Uh, well, they were in a room, then they're hiding underneath uh, the barn. Oh, it's such a weird, weird episode. Uh, goes there, finds out he was, he's wrong. He's on the wrong side of it all. That Allie really is the villain. Tells R. Clark this. They realize that, and then we see Talro, uh, both Allies and Jonathan, and Jonathan all kind of link up outside the farm, and then we go through Talro's back uh, flashback. He is him and Kal-El are brothers. They're they've been obviously friends and family for years now. They're at a bar. Uh, he tells. Bizarro Clark tells him that he is Lois is pregnant, and they get really excited. He wants to buy a whole roundup for the bar. Lana is at the bar as the um, as the bartender, and they eventually get married. We see that happen. Talro falls in love with her. She falls in love with Allie. Oh, starts following her, and that's how Talro gets wrapped into Allie. Um, 
let's see. If I, I don't think I'm leaving anything out here. Uh, at the farm, Anderson and Clark face off against Bizarro, Tarot, Lana, Allie, and John. Anderson tells Clark to get back to their earth before taking on John, who eventually kills him. John then takes the pendant from Clark and hands it to Allie so the two Allies can merge together. Tal has a change of heart and takes out Lana so that Clark can save his son. He failed his brother once before, so he doesn't want to do it again. Clark rushes after Allie to start. Not that. Anyways, that's not how that episode went. This is a the recap was not very well done. Uh, Clark flies away after uh, Jonathan flies to the portal to merge with his other self. And we go back to the episode before this one, which was a month ago, where uh, Bizarro Jonathan walks up to the farm where Jordan and Lois are talking. And he says, that's not our Jonathan. And the scene. So, I know that was a big ramble of a recap. But the I think what's going to happen is that the two Jonathans are going to merge. And that's how he gets his powers. But I don't know which personality is going to come out on top. If that makes sense, because I don't know, we don't know what happens after the merge, but that's how I think he, our Jonathan's going to get his powers. If, if I had to throw out a guess. Could be, could be. Um, I kind of feel what you're saying about this episode. It just, All it was, it, it was like an information dump. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, There were a lot of things that, how about instead of a one-month break, you do an extra episode in there and spread some of this out. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, this needed to be um, a two-episode or even a three. Like it, We saw how the Bizarro Clark got all blue-eyed and scratched all over his face. He was huffing XK yeah. and got addicted. It obviously messed with him. Oh, kryptonite is what he was doing. That's right, because XK is in our world. And it was... It's just very weird. I just, mm-mm. I, I feel bad. And uh, who's the actor? The actor that plays Anderson, uh, Ian um, Bowen. Ian Bowen. I feel bad for him mm-hmm. because, not just because. I mean, his time on the show's done. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately. But his character's arc, making the sacrifice because he realized why. Clark was not telling him everything because mm-hmm, he had a family. Like that's it, so much information. It gets, it gets lost mm-hmm. because of that dump of information. It's just like he makes this sacrifice, and you're like, oh, but then there's something else that it goes right, right. to, and we don't, don't get that moment. You don't get that moment. So they kind of wasted that, and. um that's unfortunate because that could have been a lot bigger moment. Right. So it's, um, that's what like Anderson, they've put in this whole season. I mean, we're on episode 10 and he's been in almost, you know, quote unquote, every episode of this, uh, the season. And his whole thing was Clark couldn't, Superman couldn't trust him. That's why he couldn't trust Superman. And he found out the reason and it was like less than a minute. He goes, okay, I understand. He goes, is this your family on our Earth too? And he says, yes. Because now I understand. And then it was quickly just done with. That whole moment and everything was done. That, mm-hmm. That's that's a, a big piece in most shows that the quote-unquote anti-hero figures out why it is and flips to the other side. But then we just yeah. that was just kind of it. And Yeah, then they, they just kind of crapped on it. Right. And killed him off oh, and said, okay. okay, we're done with him. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'm okay with deleting this episode out of my head. I really am. I don't feel like yeah. I gained much of anything, and I really don't no. care about anybody in Bizarro World at all. Yeah. So it's 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 just wild. I know it could a little harsh, um, I'm sure, but it's just not for me. And and there were a couple moments where I was like, what? Because every time you see text on a screen, mm-hmm. it's backwards. Very well, like stuff like that was very like you were saying the attention to detail for that stuff was cool and well done. But along those lines, when Anderson shows up at the newspaper office and he ha- he's trying to figure out how to let him know mm-hmm. who he's looking for because they can't understand him because he's speaking backwards. Right. He writes Lois on paper and writes it forward. Right. And they still uh, the I think those Christos supposed to like figure it out and she did. But shouldn't we have seen it backwards? Because wouldn't it have been? No, because it was it was right side up for us. They write the other way, so we were reading we were reading it because but, that's how he wrote it. But, but they we were in Bizarro backwards. World, right? So I don't know. It we're is. overthinking an episode that doesn't need this sort of. <laughs> didn't even need to be made, in my opinion. But all right. <laughs> Hopefully next week's better. I've seen the preview for it. It, they didn't really show anything much, of the, of what really happened. So I'm curious to see. Like it doesn't look like it fits, because they put a little line in there of Jonathan getting pissed off at Lois and Clark of hiding that he's Superman for 14 years. And I'm like, this was all hashed out in season one. Why are we bringing this back up? So, I don't know what happens there. You think maybe he wants to merge? Oh, see, that's a good point. And that's one of his talking points. So I don't... Uh, God, I really hope it's a better episode. Speaking of better episodes, let us go right into Moon Knight Episode 5, titled Asylum. And let me tell you, this was a banger episode. And I am glad to go to TVLine.com by Matt Webb Matovich for this episode. Following a brief snippet of a watery cave, a boy's cry and a woman growling, it's all your fault, we find ourselves in a different version of last week's asylum where Dr. Harrow was trying to explain to Mark that he did not shoot him, but instead the patient's mind is facilitating, that's a big word, between sense and mm-hmm. nonsense. Harrow insists they are at the Putnam Medical Facility in Chicago, not in Egypt, and that Mark is doing everything he can um, to not look within. Harrow uh, post posits, I don't know what this word is, so, Harrow suggests that Mark is using his organizing principle, building places where his struggling mind can, can seek shelter. When the doc nudges Mark to continue telling him about a boy, Mark boldly rises up in his chair and grabs the pointed paperweight off the desk. In a New York accent, that of the character's third personality from the comics, uh, he, he commends the doc's work and claims, I feel like a million dollars before orderlies rush over and sedate him. Very, if you don't pay attention, it kind of gets lost in the fold, but mm-hmm. it's there. We're then back with Mark and Steven and Towerette, uh, who assures the men, you're quite dead, and now en route to the room of the Duat. Uh, literally, so as they, literally so, as they next appear on the deck of an Egyptian ship that is sailing across the desert of the Egyptian underworld toward, hopefully, the fields of reed. But first, Towerette says as she plucks the men's heart from their chest, their pumpers must be weighed against a feather on the scales of justice. If balance is not found, they will be thrown overboard to be consumed by the Duat. When the scale refuses to commit either way, Towerette says their hearts are not complete, so they must head inside the boat where all their memories are stored and show each other the truth, quote-unquote. Now, I thought 
it was incomplete because there's the three personalities. So, right. but it looks like that's the truth thing. Maybe I don't know. We hadn't seen the sixth episode yet, which again, he said a sixth episode. Going back into that, yeah, we need at least eight to ten. Yeah, I'm one hundred percent with you. Heading inside to the ward, and as Mark worries that Layla is out there somewhere to embark on a suicide mission against Harrow, the men roam door to door, peeking inside the window to each of each memories of Moon Knight slaying the Jackal at the museum, Khonshu turning the night sky, and what looks to be one of them standing by a New York taxi cab, though neither can place that memory. When they find themselves at a cafeteria found, uh, full of dead people, Mark and then Stephen realize it is everyone that Mark has killed. He says, criminals, murderers, predators, the worst of the worst during his time as a mercenary. Steven notices that the teetering scale has been getting to slow, suggesting their journey is working just as a young boy at the door catches uh, Steven's attention. Steven follows the lad through the door to a suburban backyard where Mark's mother, Wendy, is working the grill. Young Mark leads his kid brother, Randall, on a jaunt to a local cave, and adult Steven follows. Randall says that their mom wouldn't be too happy with this lark, and sure enough, drizzling water fills and rises in the cave too fast, leading to Randall's drowning. Realize the tyke's sad fate as Stephen next visit his mother uh, and father Elias and other sitting Shiva. Uh, Shiva is, from what I understand, I'm horrible with, with religions, um, is like a funeral uh, for Jewish people, correct? Correct me right. on there. Okay. That's how I understood it. Uh, indeed, so bitter is Wendy that we see she blows off Mark's 10th uh, birthday party. While at his 12th, she shows up in a sour mood ranting about how Mark was always jealous of Randall. She says, I should have known you'd do something like this. When young Mark races to his bedroom, adult Stephen tries to follow, but adult Mark anxiously grabs him and the men are next seen on a city street where teenage Mark is walking out on his father and their fractured family. Suddenly, Mark and Stephen are in the spot of a desert strewn with dead bodies. Which they both realize is the site of the massacre where Mark discharged from the military due to his mental illness and working as a mercenary under his old CO was ordered to eliminate all witnesses, Layla's father included. And a, a temple appears in the near distance and the men walk over and observe the, the moment that a critically wounded suicidal Mark dragged himself to the foot of a Khonshu statue. But before he could end his life, Khonshu bellowed, I am in search of a warrior to, uh, to be my hands, to be my eyes, to be my vengeance. My final word against evildoers. Fascinated by Mark's broken mind, Khonshu deemed the Merc a worthy candidate to serve me. And as Steven observes to Mark, the Khonshu was manipulating him, taking advantage of him from the get-go. We see a flashback Mark, uh, Mark agree to the shady deal and experience his first transformation to Khonshu's Moon Knight. This whole scene was so cool. And like we see, they point out, you know, they see all the dead bodies. We see her dad. And then we go to the temple and uh, Oscar Isaac, this whole episode phenomenal actor like i mean he's playing two different scenes or playing the same scene as two different characters in every scene that we go to and he's so well done but to me the one that stands out is one of the ones that stands out is him at the foot of the statue and he realizes he's dying and he's you know his mind is broken and he's about to shoot himself and that's when Conchu comes to him manipulates him and turns him into moon knight for the first time and I thought this is a really well done way to to see this flashback, but not be a flashback episode. Which this this very well could have been a single episode by itself, but right. I thought it was very well how they did it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I mean, I I watched this, and I know you're not not through the recap, but I watched this after Superman and Lois mm. kind of. 
cleanse the palate. Yeah. It's, it did the job. Tastes good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sensing a disturbance, Mark and Steven race back to the deck of the ship where Towerette reports that the unbalanced souls are being judged prematurely and in mass, presumably by Harrow and Amit. Mark and Steven beg Towerette to find a way to help them free and reconnect with Conchu, help Layla, and thwart Harrow's plans. Knowing that Osiris won't like it at all, Towerette steers the ship into a hard 180 that urges the men to get back inside and finish balancing their scale. Steven wants to head into young Mark's bedroom, but Mark is not having it, and he begins yelling, I won't do it, you can't make me do it, while slapping his face again and again. Uh, put a pen real quick, because this is another one of those episodes where Mark was completely losing it, and Oscar Isaac is doing things that I've seen you know, in the nursing world, I'm sure people have seen in the um, in TV shows and things like that, when people have this this anger breakdown and like they just start smacking themselves, get real angry and yelling. And dude, it was beautiful. Like it was so well done. I'm just Oscar Isaac needs an award for this show. And I know he won't get it because they don't give awards to the Marvel properties for some stupid reason. Um, he then appears back in Harrow's Chicago office where the doc commends Mark on reliving his traumatic memories. Harrow then possesses the $1 million question. Do you think you created Steven to hide from all the awful things you did, or did Steven create Mark to punish the world for what your mother did to you? Before Mark can answer, he and Steven appear in that childhood bedroom where Mom is angrily thumping at the door and young Mark is cowering in a corner. The lad's eyes then roll back to the back of his head, and he turns into Dr. Stephen Grant, as in the British hero of the Tomb Buster movie poster, which is on his wall. His mom then barges in, reaches for a nearby belt, and marches toward the kid, meaning to do him hard. Like, we knew he... he I thought it, ha- it would have happened much earlier, but we see him turn into, he created Steven. And that's the whole point that Steven's about, about to talk about in a minute, that Steven was created to to be strong and to be be, not, be that shield for Mark, essentially. Yeah. Steven was supposed to experience only the good things. Right. And Mark was there to deal with the crap. Oh, it's... It's such a good episode. I'll, I'll, absolutely. This one is by far, could be one of my favorite ones from this whole uh, series so far. Uh, back in the ward, Steven, who's always fancied himself the primary personality, lashes out at Mark for creating him to serve as some sort of stress ball. Mark cowers that at least Steven got to live a happy life, one in which he believed their mother to be alive. Steven is taken aback by the suggestion that the mom that he speaks to every week is no more, and next we see him throwing a glass of water in Dr. Harrow's face. As Steven surveys Harrow's doctor setup with a frame diploma, Ned Flanders' mustache and all, Harrow explains that Mark brought himself to the hospital after his mom died. Like, this is so much mind-bending things going on in this episode, because we see Steven take over the body and gets all pissed off at Harrow, because he knows what's really going on. He knows this is not just some setup. Uh... When Steven disputes the fact that Harrow dies, the, dials the phone and offers to put Steven on the phone with his mom, and in that moment, faced with the handset, Steven acknowledges through tears, my mom, my mom is dead. We then drop in on the Shiva for Wendy, where Eli, Elias spots his son out in the street, swigging from a flask. Mark, though, refuses to come inside, mumbling, I won't give you that satisfaction. He then breaks down sobbing in the middle of the street, pounding the pavement and the Yarmuluk he just whipped off his head. All of Stephen watches. Mark's eyes then roll and he turns into bloody hell, not again, Stephen, who promptly calls his mom to report himself lost again. So, callback, this was the road and the cab and everything we see with Mark on the road. This is from the beginning of the episode in one of the rooms and we had no idea what was going on. This was beautiful because obviously this is where, and I think they mentioned it, this is where their minds started fracturing more 
and start taking over each other without each other realizing it. Yeah. And oh, and we we imagine it's it's already happened before because he says bloody hell not again. And starts calling his mom. The weird thing though is is that as he starts talking to his mom about being lost, he's wandering off. Then we get Stephen and Mark standing there, mm-hmm. right, individually watching him. So because before, while he was, we only saw one of them, right, when he was walking away from his mom's um, wake. And all of a sudden we see both of them as this scene has kind of turned into something else. It's, so they it's they know trippy. what they're doing, man. It's so yeah. good. Um, afterward, Mark admits to Stephen that he couldn't face that all that he had done, and Steve assures his altar that what happened to Randall was not your fault. You were just a child. They're interrupted by the shaking of the deck as the ship careens towards the gates of Osiris. Tower Wright reports that their scales will never be balanced and she cannot stop the inevitable. Dead figures from Mark's past clamber out of the Duat and aboard the ship, and Mark does his best to fight them off. Ultimately, though, Stephen realizes he needs to pitch in, so he grabs a bat and begins pumping his corpses into sand. And just when it seems their work is done, one figure stinks up and grabs Mark, but Stephen dives at it and tumbles overboard with it. And though Stephen then gets up and tries to catch back up to the ship, he petrifies into stone. While Mark suddenly finds himself standing peacefully, idyllically, peacefully into the fields of reed. Oh, I have no idea where the show is going next. I have like I have no guesses what season, what episode six is going to be. Obviously, one of them is going to get out and um, get out of the fields of reed and help save Amit. I hate to save Conchu and kill Amit, but I've got no I, idea I, how we're going to do that. No, I. I think Mark, obviously, he's going forward. I wonder if this is where we see Jake mm-hmm. come out as another personality because oh, let's see, Stephen's not there as that buffer, right? Oh, so they, oh, dude, Stephen's it's, it's going to be so good. Are you are you going to be able to watch this before Multiverse of Madness, or are you going to watch it the weekend after? Let's see, it drops Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be able to watch yeah. it before. I think I'm going to do my best to watch it Wednesday night. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to connect to Doctor Strange at all, but, you know, it could. Uh, Hawkeye really didn't connect to uh, Spider-Man, but, you know, it could. So, Several little things. Yeah, like the the musical. Oh, he's great. Yeah. But it's uh, going to be uh, – I can't – I honestly can't wait. Um it's episode six. It'll be next week with the finale. We haven't heard anything else uh, of uh, season two, or or if there will be, but I can't. Oh God, so what a what a phenomenal mind bending show that just Marvel mm-hmm. continues to pump out. Speaking of pumping things out, we are going to our notable news section here. I'm going to give you some good news here before we break you all down. Number one, Dune prequel series at HBO Max taps Chernobyl director for first two episodes. Again, guys, I did not know this was a thing, so I got really excited. Well, this was in my timeline. I'm going to Variety.com by Joe Otterson. The Dune prequel series at HBO Max has brought on uh, Johan Rink on board to direct the first two episodes. Rink will also serve as an executive producer on the show, currently titled Dune The Sisterhood. It was ordered straight to series at HBO Max in June 2019. Previously, Dune director and co-writer Dennis Villeneuve was attached to direct the pilot for Dune, The Sisterhood, but his work on Dune's sequel film will prevent him from doing so. Awesome. The show was set 10,000 years prior to the events of Dune and follows the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind and establish the fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit. 
Awesome. I'll win. Um, yeah. Here is where we get to the depressing news of the show. Uh, I'm going in uh, from least to, to most hurt uh, I am for the most part. Number two, Sp- Space Force will not be returning for season three and has officially been canceled. Going to Deadline.com by Nelly and Dreva for this one. Netflix has opted to not to renew Greg Daniels and Steve Carell's comedy series Space Force for a third season. The decision on the series, which starred John Malkovich and Ben Schwartz alongside Carroll, comes to two and a half months after season two was released on February 18th. It did not break into the overall Nielsen Streaming Weekly Top 10 ranking, but made a brief appearance on the Streaming Originals Nielsen charts, debuting at number eight and rising to number seven the following week. It also had a short presence in Netflix Daily Top 10 ranking, peaking in around number five after season one had a lengthy stay at number one. It hurts, but, you know, I, I, I get it. Uh, they weren't hitting what they wanted to. But again, this is coming after all the Netflix news of increasing prices and things like that and still canceling people's favorite shows. Yeah. So this is supposed to be a Space Force knockoff of obviously the Trump administrations and it's supposed to be a new office type comedy didn't really break that front but uh, show must go on heartbreak number one or number two batwoman has been canceled after three seasons on the cw we're going to hollywoodreporter.com by rick porter the cw has canceled the dc comics drama after three seasons showrunner caroline dries shared the news on social media on friday again this is what chris was alluding to earlier my weekend just started off just a bunch of bad news going on here um Batwoman's time in Gotham has come to an end. Quote, just got the sad news that Batwoman will not be seeing season four, Dries wrote on Twitter. I am bummed, but full of gratitude. What an honor to make 51 episodes. The cancellation comes a month after Batwoman aired its third season and now series finale on the network. It also comes uh, as yeah, it also comes as the CW's owners, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global, are exploring a sale of the broadcaster with local TV station giant Nexstar considering a possible buyer. Did not know this was a thing. That has led to speculation that the network will pair back its slate of scripted series. Huh. So they're so they're wanting to sell the CW. That's what's that's what it's sounded like, which would mean that uh, a lot of our shows will not be on the CW anymore. The CW gave early renewals of seven series, All-American, The Flash, Kung Fu, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, Superman, and Lois, and Walker, and Walker in March. Um, that was a deviation from the network's uh, MO in the past few years in which 10 or more series routinely earned early pickups and no more than a couple shows faced cancellation each year. That hurts, uh, Batwoman. I, you know, I, I've talked about before on the show, this is one that I will would binge watch on... Like Netflix yeah. or HBO Max. Do I need to watch the season three now? Or should I just be content with what I'm at instead of being left with a cliffhanger I'll never get answers to? True. I mean, but then again, at some point when you're wanting to go through all the content, you'll probably binge it anyway. Yeah. So that's <sighs> and then my biggest heartbreak of the weekend, which these two came within hours of each other. Legends of Tomorrow has been canceled. I'm going to EW.com by Sydney Buxbaum for this one. There are no more tomorrows for Legend of Tomorrow. That hurts. Uh, the CW has canceled the DC comic series after seven seasons, EW has confirmed. 
co-showrunner and executive producer Kito, Kito Shimizu tweeted the news Friday evening. Hold on, I want to pull up Katie Lotz's statement because she made this this past uh, day. I want to read that with um, everything else. Uh, hold the thought. Hold the thought. Should have had already had this pulled up, but it's okay. Uh, hold your thoughts, people. Oh, she didn't put it on that. She put it on Instagram. Yeah, we'll read it at some point. Um, Shimizu tweeted the news Friday evening. Well, folks, it has been an incredible run, she wrote. However, the CW has let us know that there'll be no season eight of Legends of Tomorrow. We are heartbroken, but also immensely grateful for the amazing work our cast, crew, and writers have contributed to the little show that could. Shimizu went on to thank the fans for their love and passion for our strange band of misfits and ended the message on a positive note. You always have a place on the Wave Rider. Um, there's a little bit more, but I want to go to, because I know exactly where her quote is, because uh, it's, I really, it, it speaks volumes of the show, and I want to make sure I read that on here. Here we go. So Katie Lotz has finally broken her silence. I'm going to Paul Tassie on Forbes.com for this one. Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, it was just canceled after season after seven seasons on the CW. Many would not get to finish its cliffhanger storyline or have a resolution for its cast. They are taking it in stride. How, they are taking in stride, however, including Sa uh, Sarah Lance, actress Katie Lotz, who had this uh, story to say on Instagram. I'm going to miss it so much. I'm going to miss our amazing cast and crew. But at the same time, I recognize how lucky I have been to play Sarah Lance for this long. Working on Legends has been amazing. It's been such a journey, and I'm so endlessly grateful for it and for the guys. Thank, so thank you to all the Legends of Tomorrow fans out there. We love you guys so much, and it has been a blast. Um, what you may not realize though is that Sarah Lance is one of the one of the superheroes that's had the most screen time of any modern Marvel or DC character. Due to the longevity of CW's Arrowverse across five different series, she's had 153 episodes of screen time, which puts her in all-time greats. While the MCU and DCEU might have a higher-profile characters. The truth is, because they're mostly in blockbuster movies, they're only appearing for two to three hours at the time. But these TV series is a whole different story. Uh, there's an approximation of the all-time superhero screen time list. Uh, Grant Gustin has been on 196 episodes. Stephen Amell, 187. Danielle Pennebaker, 181. Carlos Valdez, 159. Katie, uh, Katie Cassidy, 157. And Katie Lotz, 153. This one hurt, Chris. Uh, I mean... Yeah. They did leave on a pretty big um, cliffhanger, cliffhanger here, but I mean, this one hurts. I really wanted uh, another season. This is one we constantly talk about that is our favorite out of all the Arrowverse shows just because of how wacky and fun and how much it kind of makes fun of itself. It's not shocking, not completely shocking, no. to put it that way, because Katie Lotch is the only character from the first group of legends of tomorrow that's on the show still this is the only yeah. one but I, i'm with everybody else i i hate it because we're not getting a resolution to these characters like they could at least order eight episodes or if not fewer and give us a resolution could yeah. they do it in the flash sure but are they probably not yeah and that's and that that just sucks i'm just gonna be honest that this, this sucks and I hate it. Uh, I hate it for all the characters too, and all the cast and crew. But um, it's something else too. We have not heard anything about Star Girl. 
picked up, yeah. dropped, or anything else. So, you know, it, it kind of gets to what we've what we've talked about before, though, with the merger. Um, they've already said that, in their opinion, the Discovery people that everything's a mess mm-hmm. with the DC properties, basically, and they want to reboot it all. So, you kind of figure. I wouldn't be surprised if they announced at some point that the season that they've been renewed for, for Flash and Superman and Lois, will be the end. Hmm. Um, I could see them just ending as much of it as they can end. Uh, unfortunately, that might extend to Doom Patrol and Titans. Yeah. And then just getting ready to reboot everything. And that's going to be kind of weird because... Yeah. We know they've got movies in the pipeline. I don't think the Flash sees the light of day. Still don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think it's going to come out because I think your options are don't release it or reshoot Ezra Miller's scenes with Grant Gustin. Yeah. Um, but we still have Black Adam. We still have another Shazam movie. Aquaman. Correct? And we still have an Aquaman. That's it. I mean. Right, no, the they Bat are Woman, they, the Batwoman movie, they, well, not Batwoman, uh, Batgirl film, and and they're coming out with Blue Beetle. I forgot Blue about Beetle. Blue Beetle. Yeah. Um, so they've got some movies that'll keep DC in people's minds, and we are getting another The Batman, mm-hmm. right? Future spoilers, Chris. We haven't gotten there yet, man. <laughs> but uh, we'll 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 get to it in more detail, but um. This kind of prompted me to send you a message mm-hmm. early this morning. I was like, why, why don't we talk about what we would each do? We'll each bring our game plan to the table here for how to relaunch the DC universe. So, I've, I mean, I've already started making some notes. Um, do you want to shoot for next week on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm down for next week because we will have, I don't think we'll have a big of a news week as we did this week, just due to everything. Uh, but yeah, it, let's let's shoot for next week. Cause I'm really I'm really excited about it, cause I've yeah. I've got some ideas. I go put them, yeah. I go put them on my notebook over here. Definitely. Um, it's probably not what they're gonna do. No. But they've got to get it on the same page, and they're in a spot because they always have to rely on the same characters. Yep. The so, whole trinity. Yeah. So. so. Bummer. Yeah. It's. We'll see what happens going forward. I mean, I didn't know about that they were trying to sell CW either, which. This it, makes, it sense makes sense that they're going to do that. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens to the the Warner Brothers shows with, you know, Legends and. Not Legends, uh, Flash and Superman and Lois. Do they just bring them straight on to. They buy them off of the CW and put them on HBO Max? and it's their own series, which uh, Flash, I don't see them doing that too. I can see them ending it, but like uh, Superman and Lois, I can see them putting it straight on HBO Max and saying, hey, we're going to go forward from here with that money. They'd be able to be a little bit darker if they did that. <sighs> yeah, that's just no more red tent. <laughs> Releases this week, Wednesday, May 4th, the fourth season of The Circle starts. I can't wait. I've already seen some of the cast that's going to be on it, or some of the people that's going to be on it. I'm really excited about it. But that is it as far as its TV goes. And, man, that was uh, 
a lengthy TV talk discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's get into movies. Have you watched anything extra? You know, Chris, I have. I have watched two things extra on top Ooh. of everything I've been doing. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, with the 2022 version was Zach Rath and, uh, oh, Lord, uh, why am I forgetting her name from uh, Gabby? Gabrielle? I can't remember her name right now. I, that's going to bug me. Um, Gabrielle Union. I knew I had it. It's okay. It's a new age. Cheaper by the dozen. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. I, it wasn't bad, but it, I I like Steve Martin's version with Tom Welling, obviously, in it. And yeah. uh, it was good. I mean, it's still good. Three stars. It's not a bad movie at all. Uh, I say watch it. And then I also rewatched Doctor Strange. And man, how many times they mentioned the multiverse in that movie that I did not remember is astronomical. So they definitely set up. And that's what, um, uh, I forget the director of it, Stephen. Um, I'll remember it at some point in time. But the director even said, he said, we set up the multiverse in 2016. And yeah. nobody even knew about it. Nobody knew what was coming. And that's the thing. Here we are. And that, <laughs> yeah, that's what makes Marvel a cut above. Mm-hmm. they're dropping breadcrumbs and in this case it's not a decade but in some cases it's a decade before you're ever right. going to see the payoff it's phenomenal I can't, I can't um, wait, it's such a good movie what about you Chris, you watch anything else? I watched Draft Day mm. sort of to get ready for the NFL Draft um, 2014 film stars Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner but oh, by the way, listen to some of the other people in this movie. David Ramsey's in this movie. Really? Shy McBride. Um, Rosanna Arquette, Sam Elliott, Frank Langella. The bitch Helen everybody Burstyn, in it. Arian Foster, mm. former UT Vol and Houston Texans running back. Terry Crews is in this. Tom Welling is in this. Why is Tom Welling in it? Just Puff Puff Daddy's in this. Dennis Leary and Chadwick Boseman is in this. Mm. So an all-star cast. I don't think they could put anybody I, else in there. I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah. Um, this is your first viewing of it? Yeah, it was the first time I watched it. And uh, good. It's good. It's got a good bit of drama. It's got a good bit of sports. A lot of NFL people make appearances. Mm. Rich Eisen is in there. Roger Goodell is in the movie. Uh, <laughs> just have to. <laughs> um, so, and and there's some other character actors that when you see them, you go, I know who that is, mm-hmm. or I've seen that person. But, uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. Um. It'll probably be an every year watch for me at draft time. That good of a movie? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a big Kevin Costner fan, though, yeah. anyway. So. Um, all right. So before we get – do you want to do the uh, movie of the week review first? Before yeah, let's we do that first, and then we'll do that to build a little bit of hype. All right. So the movie this week – from HBO Max was Death on the Nile. It's based on the Agatha Christie novel. Um, this was a Agatha Christie book I haven't read. So I went in completely blind as to 
who's supposed to have done it. So I don't know how it compares. Um, essentially, this is one of her books that features Hercule Poirot, which who's supposed to be one of the great detectives ever. And um, we get to see his origin story, basically. I had to Google, does this movie, I'm putting a spoilers tag on, I had to Google if the movie was in black and white. I was like, I don't remember the trailers being in black and white for this. But, like, because it, it, it started off black and white, and then the scene ended and then went back into black and white again. I was like, uh, so I, did I click on the wrong version, or what? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we, we see these men, it's World War One, right? Strangely enough, October 31st. Mm-hmm. So it's Halloween. Good day. And uh, they're on the battlefield. They're, they've gotten orders to storm the enemy and try and take this bridge. And they know it's suicide. Mm-hmm. In fact, they, they comment, we won't even make it to the bridge. So... Um, Hercule Poirot, played by Kenneth Branagh, another of my favorites. Um, He's realized through just observation that these birds take flight every morning. And whenever they take flight, there's roughly eight minutes till the wind changes. Who who notices these things? (laughs) You know. (laughs) But he does. And uh, he... He tells his commanding officer, like, look, we can dispense the gas and it'll blow their way and keep a fog going and we'll be right on them before they know what's happening and we'll be able to take them by surprise. And it works. It actually works. And everything's going to be cool until his commanding officer starts across the bridge, which is booby-trapped. And... Perot realizes it right as the officer's leg is hitting the wire. And the whole bridge blows and shrapnel and everything goes everywhere. Dude, that, that was a crazy scene. Like, very yeah. intense. The whole thing was very intense. Yeah. And then we see Perot in a hospital. He's keeping his face turned to, the, to one side. Uh, doing the whole uh, Batman Dark Knight. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen that That's before. The, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, his, his face is messed up. Yeah. And his uh, his his lady comes to profess her love, and she's ready to be there for him. And he turns over, and he's not that messed up. No, it's not that bad. She's like, "You'll just grow a mustache." And it's like, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. those, I absolutely <laughs> will. <laughs> And he grows a hell of a yeah, mustache. Very, I've even thought about uh, it. Like, can I do that? Uh, no, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> you could try. I could try. <laughs> um, it's. We do find out later that the reason she's no longer with him is because she was killed. Mm-hmm. He wants her to come by the hospital for Christmas, and her train gets bombed. Mm-hmm. So he carries guilt because he was going to see her in a month anyway. And uh, mm, he's carrying guilt about that. But he just throws himself into his work. And he shuts off any any other kind of uh, 
any other kind of joy, basically. Right. But we see um, Gal Gadot's character, Lynette Ridgeway, is. Let's see, I got smart. I pulled up the cast list here. <laughs> it's a big one. Uh, yeah. Uh, we see her in a club, and uh, she. In, in the lead up to seeing her, we see um, Emma Mackey as Jackie. And Army Hammer is Simon dancing on the dance floor. That's and who that was, Army Hammer. You'd, you'd have flashbacks to Dirty Dancing if you were watching this, because mm-hmm. they were getting it. <laughs> and uh, they're engaged, and Jackie tells Lynette about this, and um, she says, oh yeah, he can manage my, my estate, my property. Flash forward, what, six weeks? Very, very quick. Um, We're in Egypt, and there's this wedding party um, for the Doyles, which is Simon's last name, and the missus is introduced along with him, and it's Lynette, it's Mm -hmm. not Jackie. Jackie got tossed to the side because, you know, it's Gal Gadot, of course. Plot twist. (laughs) You did tell Um, her to go dance with him, so... Yeah, <laughs> not to, you know, no. bank her properly is what she said, right. and he did. <laughs> Boy, did he. Right. Um, we find out over the course of events that, first off, Jackie shows up. She's following him around. But we find out all these other characters that are there for the wedding party, um, no one really likes Lynette. Mm-mm. She's just not a likable person, apparently. And... Through the course of all this, she ends up dead. And then two other people end up dead before we finally find out who did it. Uh, do we want to spoil who did it? Uh, I don't want to spoil who did it, but we can talk. Who d- did you correctly guess who did it? Because I did not. Yeah. I, I was very close to the full reveal. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll word it that way. Okay. Not completely. Yeah. I I was... I... One of the attempts I guessed correctly. Uh, if, if that makes sense to you at all. But mm-hmm. the... But no, I, I was not anywhere close. I had a thought, but that was a no... Because like they they threw you in your classic who done it. They do through some multiple loops here, and very yeah. well done loops. Uh, yeah, but every well, time Latisha Wright was on stage, I could, I couldn't stand it. So yeah, <sighs> yeah, Latisha Wright is in this movie. Let's let's run down the quick cast here: Kenneth Branagh, Army Hammer, Gal Gadot, Annette Bening, mm-hmm. uh, Latisha Wright, Russell Brand is in this. Um, I did I not know it, it was it, that was him. The whole movie, I was like, that guy looks really familiar to me. And then I look at the cast here, I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> I ain't seen Russell yeah. Brand in anything in a minute, so. I mentioned Emma Mackey as Jackie. Um, Rose Leslie was Louise, who meets a a certain fate. Mm-hmm. You'll have to watch the movie. Um, but I think those were the biggest names that people would immediately 
recognize. The interesting thing about the movie at one point as well um, is that, and this is one, one reason that I want to read the book, there is a couple revealed mm-hmm. that I'm not sure it would have been in the book at that time based on when the book was published. Mm. So I'm assuming that's something that was changed just because Add of the nature more, of the world. Yeah, a little more flair to it. Yeah. Um, it was an appropriate film to watch with us watching Moon Knight because, boom, we're right back in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I thought that was um, very funny. <laughs> yeah. Nice little coincidence. But for me, this film, I gave it a three and a half because... It's solid. It's one I'll definitely watch again. I wouldn't mind owning it. Right. Um, but I, it, it's kind of weird. You, you've only got so much room to maneuver with an adaptation from a book because how much do you want to stray, especially a classic book like this? Mm-hmm. And it is a mystery, so you can't change too much or you risk altering how it all plays out but um i would definitely recommend the movie people i think i think people need to watch this um it's for me i think i'd probably watch this every year okay i liked it that much I don't think I'm going to revisit it more often than that. There's some movies you know that you'll watch like every few months you want to throw that movie on and right comfort and check it out. Yeah, but this isn't that, but it's it's a once a year watch for me. I I gave it three stars. I enjoyed it. It once it took off. Once we got on the boat is when I started to enjoy. It. I felt I feel like it was. It started off slow to me. You had the great World War One scenes, and yeah. then you go to the the musicians' lounge, the lounge, and the, uh-huh. I feel like the dance was a little too long. Uh, and then him meeting his friend on the pyramid, like I, I, it all made sense though. But I felt like it was a lot of it was too drawn out. Um, them at the hotel right. getting ready to get on the boat. But once we got on the boat, it did not stop. Like, I was constantly trying to pick up on things and figure out what was going on, who was doing what. Well, more so once the, the tomb scene is, is when it took off. But yeah, then my, I, I enjoyed it, though. My first guess, and, and I'm kind of disappointed that Perot doesn't suspect them initially. Is the uh, is the crew? Yeah, like not even they're allowed. They're they're leaving the boat every night. Right. So, would like made somebody perfect. Yeah, but they never come up as suspects. Too good of a detective, man. He knows what he's doing. It's crime of passion. Crime of passion. So. Crime of passion. All right. So next week, we are reviewing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Can't believe it's here. I know. I'm giddy. But Tyler, you wanted us to do our prediction. Mm-hmm. So 
I am going to say this movie is what brings the X-Men into the fold. I think the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, uh, all of the titles that were owned by um, Fox, I think this is what brings them all to light. Um, if you get heavy into it, I'm just talking about the first trailer. If you get heavy into it, because the there's two TV spots that ruined several things um, this past week. So if you're trying to go away from completely from spoilers, do not listen to me. Skip ahead a little bit till we get to the news. But yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin the TV spots. I don't. I feel like there should be one or two trailers, and that should be it for these movies because they are so like they sell themselves. You don't have to well, do advertisements for them. So I I will push back just slightly because Marvel's known for putting stuff in those spots that doesn't even make the film. True. That, that's true. So um, we don't know if they're accurate. Right. Well, and if you slow down and break down the first trailer, we see the an animated world that they break through. Mm -hmm. Is it... It's very 90s. Yes, very 90s. Is that the 90s X-Men? We also hear a voice which is... I'm just going to fly out. It's Patrick Stewart. Um, and I feel like this is us bringing in all the Fox films. Now, how they're going to do Fantastic Four, I don't know if they do. I am still betting on, because we talked about, I think it was two years ago, uh, after Chris Evans and Captain America, quote-unquote, died in Endgame, that he said he's coming back for one more project with uh, the MCU. I am putting my money that he is coming back as the Human Torch in this movie. I don't know how they would do it, if they would do it, but that's what my money is on, is that we're going to see Chris Evans back as a human torch back in this film. I love it. So that's, that's I, I feel it. like this is how we're going to tie everything together. Um, do we see Doctor Strange die at the end of this? No, I do not think so. Uh, we also have to remember Loki, Tom Hiddleston was on set and filmed things for this movie that we know nothing about or how they're going to bring that in. We know, obviously, Wanda is here. The kids are in this. Uh, her kids are in this one as well. Uh, do we bring Ralph Boner back in from Fox and everything? And this is There's a lot of toss-ups here, but that's what I am certain on, I feel like. So there there was recently a miniseries in the comics titled The Death of Doctor Strange. Mm. So Scott I, Derrickson, again, that's the director and uh, for Doctor Strange, the first one. See? I told you to bring it back. But... <laughs> I agree that they're going to work in a lot of the other properties with this. Um, I I wonder if we'll get some of that Marvel humor um, by maybe having someone battle an animated Wolverine, mm -hmm. you know, from the 90s. Oh, so do, you, do you think we bring in any Wolverine for this film? Do you think we get a Hugh Jackman? Do you think we get all the 90s from the animated series? I mean... Hugh Jackman has teased some stuff on Twitter. Has he over really? The past year or two. Yeah, he he took a picture with Kevin Feige. Oh, I remember that. And so mm. maybe, maybe our, uh, our theater would lose it, Chris. I would absolutely lose it if Hugh Jackman appears on screen. I um, I would absolutely lose it. it. Is it a glimpse? Like right. do we see him briefly? Like maybe the universe, you know, is spinning. And Strange is able to catch glimpses of things. Do we see Jackman mm -hmm. 
with his claws extended, you know, and, right. and all that. Uh, like he's falling through, we, the, like he's falling through those rifts and everything as he's going to punch it through the yeah. walls. Oh, we do know. We talked about this before the show. I'm not going to mention them, um, but there is a group that's going to be a part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a classic Marvel group. That, and uh, I think it's in everything. I think that based on who was part of it in the comics. That could be a way to to bring both of them in, mm-hmm. um, to bring both of a couple other groups in. We'll see. I I really want to see how they wrap up the zombie stuff too, because mm-hmm. we've got zombie strange in the trailer. Right. I mean, ev- that's the first trailer ever. Everybody's seen that. Um, we get the voice in the first trailer mm-hmm. of Patrick Stewart. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee I, he's I, in it. I, I, I am 100% positive I would put a house loan payment down that he's in the film. This is going to be epic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be your... So your your Spider Man No Way Home was for your Spider Man fans, like this was catered to them. This was beautifully written for them. This film, I honestly feel like, is going to be for your your Fox and X Men fans. I feel like this is where we get the reboot somehow, some way. But I feel like this is where they start that conversation of the reboot because we know in and the pressers and everything they've done, we know about Fantastic Four, we know about Blade. But nobody has mentioned really the X Men, and I feel like this is—I feel like it's all hush hush right now, and I feel like this is what's going to shoot it in. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, one one thing too, if you're going to bring that franchise in, a perfect character, um, not part of the X Men, but part of their um, their enemies. Don't you say it. Would would be Mystique. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Okay. Because she could be anybody. Right. Right? And especially and with so Secret Invasion coming up. Throw yeah. Throw that in there. Yeah. Oh, Chris, could, um, you, oh, could you imagine them, that group that you're talking a part of, right? And we leave that world or that reality, well, that multiverse, right? And as we're leaving it, you see her her skin animation go to Mystique's face and body. And then we're straight out of it. Like that, just that little hint is, oh my God, this is, I'm really excited about this because Sam Raimi is a very good horror uh, director and writer and everything. Yeah. And with, with Zombie Strange, with with Dark Strange, whatever we're calling him. I am, we also saw Zombie Wanda. And Zombie, yeah, Zombie Wanda. I'm very excited to see how horror he gets into it. You know what I mean? And yeah. Oh god! Like if, if some of this stuff happens, if I swear to God, Chris, if I see Michael Fassbender in any sort of strength thing, I am going to be that person in the theater that screams out and gets really excited. I love Michael Fassbender as Magneto, and if anybody, I am saying it right now, if they bring anybody back, I don't. Hugh Jackman, he says he's done, whatever. But if they bring anybody in from the Fox X Men, I want it to be Michael Fassbender's Magneto. Period. That's all I want. 
I'd cry. I'm, I would probably cry, Chris. <laughs> what about Anna Paquin's Rogue? You, you, uh, no, no. Michael Fassbender no. Tr- trumps everybody for me. <laughs> I, I'm very curious, though, who we get. Like, I'm assuming we'll see Spider-Man at some point. Do we? Because he's been, he's been, he, nobody knows who he is anymore. Nobody except, um, remember, um, not everyone was on Earth, and True. and it covered the Earth. Yeah. So like Captain Marvel would know. Hmm. Which we do see the the those powers in this movie. Yeah. So. <sighs> oh God, man. There's there's so many possibilities. I can't and, wait. And that's what started the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. Right? So, well, at least from Doctor Strange's perspective, then there's what Loki did, and there's yeah. there's other stuff. I, I'd love it if Oscar Isaac popped up. Oh, I could. Something, I feel like, oh, dude, I don't know. I mean, there's so many possibilities. And, you know, we had Spider-Man, No Way Home. We, we that was crazy speculative, but this is like that on crack because there's so much more. You got the multiverses and Mm -hmm. Marvel owns all these properties. So you could honestly do anything with it. I don't know if we're going to get another movie, uh, at least for a while where we are going to be like this, where this hype and predictive predictability of these, this movie is going to be like the way it is. I don't think we will for a a long time. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, it's uh, ride the wave, man. We just gotta ride the wave. We're we're, we're probably gonna end up a few of these will probably be more like origin stories, mm-hmm. right? We're kind of going back to that point in the cycle now, where a lot of what we get after this will be things. I mean, we got Moon Knight so- origin story. We got uh, Miss Marvel coming out soon. She Hulk. So I mean, I mean, we, there's not even another Avengers movie on the slate for. I don't, I don't think there is another Avengers movie on the slate right now. Right. Uh, but we got like Black Panther coming out, but yeah, but I mean, really, Thor is going to be an origin oh, story. Thor. It's Jane Foster yep. taking on that mantle. So mm. oh, I can't wait. We'll it's going to be so much fun. I love it. In movie news, Super Mario Brothers movie is now set to release April seventh, twenty twenty three. Um. I still don't know how I feel. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> about if you want to Mario keep not out, having an accent <laughs> and being Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, the Batman had the highest first week viewership on HBO Max among DC films. And let me pull up that information here. The Batman had 4.1 million views in its first week on HBO Max. The Suicide Squad, now not not the old one, the Suicide Squad, right. three and a half million. Wonder Woman 1984, good God, let's forget that, 3.2 <laughs> million, and. This kind of surprises me. Zack Snyder's Justice League, 2.2 million. Mm -hmm. I think that one was lower because everyone knew it was such a long movie and they had to wait till they had time to watch it. They couldn't necessarily fire it up the first week it was out. And all your 
that was mainly for your hardcore fans and not right. your general public, like the Batman or Wonder Woman, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Still, that's uh, amazing. I did like the movie. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I want the still book of it. Um, speaking of liking the movie, Robert Pattinson, this comes from Variety, and Rebecca Rubin. Robert Pattinson returning for the Batman sequel. Um, Warner revealed its plans for another Caped Crusader story during its Tuesday evening presentation at CinemaCon, uh, the annual trade show for theater owners. Matt Reeves was on hand to announce the news that he will write and direct the follow-up, but he did not provide any details about what the movie will entail. Who do you think we're getting? Who do you think the villain will be for that? I mean, it's got to be Joker, right? Yeah. Joker he, has he to at least it, be in, so. in. He has to at least be in the background. Right. Even if if you're doing a trilogy, I could see not revealing him until the third one. Mm-hmm. But having him guide somebody. Right. From behind the scenes, maybe. Maybe Penguin takes a more prominent role. Because mm-hmm. um, you're gonna have the hype with him with him being his prequel series. Yeah, so. Catwoman possibly comes. I, I think she will come back. I think she's been confirmed to come back, Zoe Kravitz, but I'm not 100. percent It it really depends on how big they want to go. You've done the Riddler, right? So do you go freeze? I wouldn't mind seeing their take on a poison ivy. Hmm. You know. Yeah. So. Harley we'll Quinn, maybe somehow, some way. But I think they'd yeah. save for a Joker movie, if you'd ask me. But they can introduce her. Right, that's true. As his nurse in Arkham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, some goodness there. A little bit of good news to make up for the bad. Right. <laughs> Next up from Polygon.com and Cass Marshall. Disney swaps release dates for the Marvels and the next Ant-Man movie. Quantum Mania arrives a little sooner, while the Marvels is pushed back. Um, it says, well, let me get to the actual dates here. The new Ant-Man film is set to arrive earlier with its new release date, February 17th, 2023. Hey, that's going to be easy for me to watch. My birthday's the 16th, so I'll be having one. a stretch. We'll be watching that Thursday night. A stretch there off work. Um, it pits the diminutive hero against King the Conqueror. So I, I wonder if that's why it's being moved up. Mm. Because they know they've got to do some stuff with King. Got to bring him back he, into the limelight. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Marvel's a continuation of both Captain Marvel and the Disney Plus series Miss Marvel will be taking the July 28th, 2023 release slot. Um, it does note, while Marvel movies often go through delays and date changes, it's unusual for two films to straight up swap their release dates. The Marvels presumably needs more time in the oven, while Ant-Man and the Wasp seems to be a little further along. Curious about that. I've, I wonder what the reason is. I don't know if I'll ever get that, but it's not. it's not too terribly long but you know you feel like with the end of man the wasp being the third movie 
that they've got a process down a little bit more. With the Marvels, though, you're adding in more characters. Um, yeah. And a new team, so. I wonder, too, if it has anything to do with the fact that Guardians is staying on its May 5th slot, mm-hmm. which means it'll come up, then we'll get the Marvels. Right. So I wonder if there's something story-wise there that they've decided to make happen that mm. they need Guardians to go before the Marvels. Right. Possibly. Who knows? We're just trying to figure out the impossible. And from Deadline and Mike Fleming Jr., Spider-Man director John Watts exits Marvel's final or Fantastic Four. Almost said Final Four. It's over. <laughs> uh, John Watts has withdrawn as the director of Fantastic Four, the reinvention of the venerable Marvel Comics series at Marvel Studios and Disney. Watts just directed Spider-Man No Way Home, the Sony Pictures and Marvel Studio film that grossed $1.89 billion to become the sixth highest grossing film of all time. There's nothing sinister here, as Fleming notes. Watts just needs a break from the superhero realm after completing the Spidey trilogy with Tom Holland and Zendaya. He'd expected to make Fantastic Four his next film, the third feature iteration of that franchise, and first since Disney acquired Fox, which controlled the franchise. Watts has spent the better part of the last decade directing and promoting the Spider-Man films after being hired off Cop Car a small-budget indie thriller that premiered at 2015 Sundance. He needs a breather. I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, like, and I'm glad that that was the big thing coming out because usually when you hear a director is leaving, it's for um, for differences, you know, creative differences. Yeah. But they're saying, yeah. no, he, he just needs a break. He's been doing this for a better half of a decade, and yeah. he, he wants to do something else, which I would 100% understand. And I'm sure they have something else. Look, Based on the the tone of those films, maybe John Watts returns for an X Men run. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like where your head's at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. It sits well on my shoulders. No, I, I, uh, really hoping that that's the case because I think, again, the right tone. Right. Spider Man versus X Men. Uh, releases this week. There's this. Real small indie film coming out May 6th called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Not seeing, you know, that might be, I might see it on Netflix or something. Nothing crazy. Yeah, we might talk about (laughs) it on the show at some point. Oh, I can't wait. On to games, Tyler. Chris, have you been playing anything this week? Just the show and little Madden franchise. Let me tell you. Been doing my, my Persona 5 Royal run still, but I've been playing... A game called Switch Sports, which we talked about releasing last week, which is the sequel to Wii Sports. And let me tell you, banger of a game. Zoe and I have been playing bowling all weekend long since Friday night, and it's it's just like it was back in the Wii. Um, They've added some new, like they've added volleyball, which is fun. Um, Badminton's on there, tennis. There's a a sword fighting game. They're adding two more sports within the year. but we have not tried soccer yet because you have to have a leg strap for it to play soccer, which I don't really want to kick out or throw out a hip or anything anytime soon. So we're just sick to bowling for a while. But it's fun. I, I recommend if you enjoyed Wii Sports, then Switch Sports is right up the alley for you. So 
Uh, speaking of right up the alley, our Maze P PlayStation Plus lineup is here. Uh, we've got for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, we've got FIFA 22. For both, again, we've got Tribes of Midgard, which I will be picking up. I'm really excited about that. And for PlayStation 4, we have Curse of the Dead Gods. I'm unsure what that game is. Not really familiar with it, but I pick them all up. And But Tribes of Midgard, I will play at some point. I did want to play it, just not when it released. I didn't want to pay any money for it because I wasn't that interested in it. Right. But the big news story out of the week, it comes from uh, news.xbox.com by Will Tuttle, the Xbox Wire Editor-in-Chief. Join us Sunday, June 12th for the Xbox Bethesda Games Showcase. Today we are excited to announce the Xbox Bethesda Games Showcase will stream on Sunday, June 12th at 10 a.m. PT. This show will feature amazing titles coming from Xbox Game Studios Bethesda and our partners around the world. The Xbox and Bethesda's Game Showcase will include everything you need to know about the diverse lineup of games coming soon to the Xbox ecosystem, including upcoming releases to Xbox Game Pass and PC. Heck yeah. It looks awesome. Uh, I think Starfield's going to be your biggest uh, game shown here from Bethesda because it's their newest RPG um, in decades. So and everyone's yeah. really excited about it. It comes out this year. So Releases this week, zero. Thank you, Jesus, because with the new movie coming out and uh, getting back to work like normal is going to take me out. So it's going to be a fun week. Oh, I can't wait for uh, Doctor Strange. Anyways... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this show. Um, if you have any questions or concerns or anything, you can always email us at nerdwide at gmail.com. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcasting apps. On social media, right. you can also follow us at nerdwide at nerd underscore wide. On, uh, on Twitter, excuse me, you can follow at nerd underscore wide. On, you follow me at ty underscore Haynes. Be tweeting a whole lot about the Memphis Grizzlies. It's playoff season. I apologize. Uh, you can follow Chris at MavTN7. Also, let us know down in the comments what you think is going to happen in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Please, if you've seen the TV spots, do not put those in there. I uh, wish want to know what your predictions are before the film happens. As always, this has been this week's episode of the NerdWide Podcast, and we cannot wait to talk to you next week about Doctor Strange. We hope you have a good week. We'll see you then. Later, guys. <laughs>